Hello, and thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. You can listen and subscribe to the show for free on Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Blog Talk Radio, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. For network or show information, visit ByteRadio.me. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, I have a returning special guest, Linda Yael Schiller, and tonight we'll be talking about her newest book, PTS Dream, Transform Your Nightmares from Trauma Through Healing Dreamwork. Nightmares, especially those caused by trauma, not only disrupt your sleep, but can leave you exhausted on edge, and haunt your daylight hours. With in-depth information on the nature of nightmares, international speaker, author, and psychotherapist Linda Yael Schiller shows you how to turn anxiety-filled or heart-pounding dreams into resources for spiritual growth. Her four decades of experience in both dream work and trauma treatment provide the reader with guidelines for turning PTSD dreams into PTSG, post-trauma spiritual growth. Linda Yael Schiller is a psychotherapist, consultant, supervisor, and trainer in Watertown, Massachusetts. By integrating traditional therapeutic styles and techniques, aggressive energy psychology, and body-based modalities, Linda is able to provide support for healing at all levels of the self, mind, body, heart, and spirit. Her philosophy of treatment incorporates both deep healing at the source and practical coaching for daily life issues and dilemmas. For more information, you can visit her website, which is Linda Yael Schiller, Linda, L-I-N-D-A, L-Y-A-E-L, and then S-C-H-I-L-L-E-R dot com. And with that, I'd like to welcome Linda to the show. Good day, Linda. Hi, good evening. Nice to, nice to be here with you, Robert. Thank you. I'm happy to have you back. And, and as we kind of mentioned just before coming on the air, it's been two years and two weeks since wow. we <laughs> Uh, there. So, um, you know, and, and then it was also about dream work. And, and I'm, you know, really, um, I was really excited to see the new information and techniques and exercises you had in this newest book. So I'm really um, looking forward to talking about that. So, oh, boy. So let's, let's start with um, the idea of, um, you know, uh, you know, we talk about nightmares, you know, to transform your nightmares. So, can you give us um, this an, an overall um, description of kind of what distinguishes a nightmare from a dream, or you know, kind of like what are the parameters around each? Sure, I'd be happy to. So basically, there are two uh, elements in any dream or nightmare. There's the storyline of the dream itself, which is what is happening, the characters and the landscape. And then there's what we call the emotional narrative. And the emotional narrative are the accompanying feelings and emotions that you have when you have the dream. So basically the distinguishing feature is how do you feel in the dream and when you wake up? In the dream, if you're feeling happy, if you're feeling excited, if you're feeling even neutral or having any sort of pleasant feeling, then it's a dream. If you're feeling a little bit upset or a little bit irritable or a little bit anxious, then maybe we'd call it a bad dream. But if your emotional state is really afraid, really anxious, really angry, really grief-stricken, feeling trapped, any of those extreme negative emotions, that's called a nightmare. Okay, so now with, with trauma, you know, part of the your, the title of your book deals with trauma. So, does trauma um, 
is, is trauma the root of all nightmares, or I mean, or trauma and nightmares, how are how are they uh, related? Or is there any correlation between the two? Yes. So first of all, not all nightmares are caused by trauma. So some nightmares are what we would call developmentally normative, meaning at certain stages in life, it's sort of a normal occurrence to have nightmares, particularly children at certain ages and, and adolescents as well. When they're going through, like, large transitions in their developmental stages, it's pretty normal to have various nightmares, especially, you know, little kids or teenagers who feel that bigger people, i.e. adults, are controlling them or they're trapped or they don't have any same things. Well, that's actually true in, in their lives. So sometimes they have nightmares that correspond with what's going on in their life. Um, another thing that can cause nightmares are hormonal changes. Sometimes women who are pregnant or people who are um, doing, going through life transitions where there's hormonal changes, um, uh, menopause and premenstrual, often people will report nightmares. Um, and then there's medic the whole realm of medications on the, over the counter or off the counter, so to speak. Um, some prescription medications can contribute to nightmares. Some recreational drugs, you certainly have, we've all heard of the phrase a bad trip, um, can cause hallucinogenic or nightmare type, either waking or sleeping visions. So there's a lot of different things that can contribute to nightmares, but one of the prime causes is when there is trauma in someone's life, whether it's personal trauma in their personal life or familial or global trauma as as we've all really been experiencing in the world in the past few years between, you know, climate change and violence and uh, war um, and administrative changes. There, there's been a lot of trauma that, that we've been experiencing, and that can seep into our dreams and uh, create nightmares as well. So there, there could be a variety of different generative causes um, for nightmares. The, the repetitive ones, the ones that really linger into the day, the ones that upset you more as opposed to just a little, are generally caused by traumatic events, particularly if they're repetitive or there's a pattern in that in your dreams. Okay. And now, just, um, I, you know, because I was going to ask about repetitive dreams. So, um, the idea, when we have repetitive dreams, is that uh, the, um, again, not necessarily based on trauma, but I mean, is, is there a sign of something, there is something that we should probably be looking at, but we're really not looking at? Yeah, absolutely. When something keeps recurring in our lives, but there's a pattern that we're noticing, particularly if it's something negative or distressing. Um, and when it shows up in our dreams as a nightmare, it's really like an SOS from our unconscious. And our unconscious self is saying, hello, there's something you haven't resolved. There's something you haven't fully metabolized. There's something you haven't come to terms with or come to peace with. Or something you don't know enough about yet that you need to know more so you can take the action in your life that you need to, to to bring something corrective to it. And sometimes if we're not paying attention to our dreams or other signs um, and wake-up calls in our waking life, the nightmares will escalate and get louder and louder and stronger and stronger in sort of a desperate attempt, if you will, to, to wake us up to our dreams and, and call our attention to what we need to address. Yeah, yeah, I, I know sometimes when, you know, there's uh, uh, just in everyday, you know, kind of life with, you know, we're trying to be guided. It could go anywhere from a tap on the shoulder to a two-by-four over the head, you know, if, we, if we're not careful, you know, or if we don't pay attention. Um, now, with the um, idea we have, you know, this traumatic route to um, – the, like the, the, the nightmares or, or bad dreams. Um, why should we put our attention to solving that? The reason, basically, there was, there was one part in your book you talked about, the shadow healed is the gift revealed. 
And I thought, wow, you know, that's the one um, that's one good reason, <laughs> you know, to kind of yeah. look into that set. Talk about that, you know, the benefits of that. Sure. So the, the phrase, the, the shadow in our dreams, is a, a Jungian phrase from um, Carl Jung's work. And basically our, our shadow side is, is any of those things that I mentioned before, including parts of ourselves, things that happened that we haven't metabolized, that we haven't looked at, parts of ourselves we would rather not acknowledge, would rather not admit to be true. Um, and, and this is directly connected with traumatic experiences because when someone has traumatic experiences and then they show up as flashbacks in waking life or, or nightmares in, in sleeping life, our instinct is to run away from them or to take another drink or try to ignore it as fast as possible because it's uncomfortable, um, sometimes more than uncomfortable. But ironically, if we don't address it, they'll keep on coming. So what I've put together in my book is a, is a particular protocol called the Gaia Method for dealing with these scary nightmares in a way that allows you to feel safe and accompanied this time so that you, this time when you're walking through the traumatic experiences that have happened, you're no longer alone so that you have resources with which to deal with the scary monster in your dream or the, the swamp creature that's crawling out or the, or the shadow that's hiding and lurking in the corners. Um, and then once you're resourced and can look at it, sometimes you find there's information that you needed in order to heal. Sometimes there's a directive like, you should do this in your life. And often, if we have the orientation to looking for it, we find that that which we have been running from is actually trying to offer us a gift of some sort. So healing from trauma includes not just a return to the status quo, but actually a bump forward in our personal evolution in moving toward sort of a higher plane of self or being healed enough to be able to then offer gifts to the world as well. So it might be something symbolic in the dream. It might be something concrete. Um, depends on whether you're having literal or metaphoric dreams. But the orientation of looking for the gift in the dream is part of what allows us to have the, the strength and the stamina to move through it, knowing there's, there's sort of a, you know, keeping our eyes on the prize, if you will, out the other side. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is, you know, that's very true. That kind of gets us to, you know, why, why do it? And, and one of the things that I say, too, is that so many of my guests who have um, had experiences where healing was a part of their um, path, that once they have, you know, so-called, you know, kind of gotten to the other end or they've gone through a good deal of the process, they end up becoming um, such wonderful resources for others who mm. – are earlier in that path, you know, as far as, so, I mean, it's, um, it's, it's kind of like a, in a way, you know, the, uh, the, you're, you're creating medicine for, for others by, by going through the journey yourself. Um, right, uh, right. Well, That's a nice way of putting it. Yeah. And, but, now, one of the things that was, our, as our purpose, yeah. uh, we can start mm -hmm. out with our purpose being, I want to get a good night's sleep, or I'm tired of feeling afraid all the time, or this, these traumatic things that happened, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of them uh, causing me to live in fear and anxiety, and it's, and it's absolutely fine to start with that. Um, and then, if you've got enough yeah. of your own resources under your belt, so to speak, then you get to decide what to do next. Exactly, exactly. The, the important part is walking the, walking your journey, you know, what, what, whatever it is that we do. Now, one of the things also in your book that when you were you know, kind of talking about that healing, that, that shadow aspect, was that careful self-pacing is mm -hmm. part of the healing. So um, talk about that, because I think some people feel sometimes 
when they're starting this healing process that they're it's like they're at a timetable. <laughs> you know, I, I need mm. to get this done. You know, this project over done with. You know, I mean, you get to that point. You know, if I want it done with, um, so you try to kind of rush the process. So talk a little bit about the pace of the process. Absolutely. So that takes me back. If we're going to you know, look at the relationship between nightmares and trauma, both in trauma treatment and in healing nightmares that have um, evolved from trauma. The, the point is not to get through it as fast as possible, even though that might be tempting. The point is not to get re-traumatized along the way. So you don't want to make things worse rather than better. And if you or the person or people you're working with are, are rushing or pushing too fast or encouraging you or you're encouraging yourself to kind of like gut it out and push through it before you're really ready, then you run the risk of re-traumatization because we don't have to go through all the feelings again or all the memories again in the process of healing. We just have to feel and know enough to be able to heal. That doesn't mean um, going through re-wounding. So in the Gaia method that I designed it, it stands for Guided Active Imagination Approach. And there are two pillars to this approach. And one pillar is Jungian-style active imagination, where we um, go inside the dream and see what's there and we'll look around and talk to the characters and find out what's happened and create a different ending. But before we do that, the other pillar is based on safety. And safety is part of best practice trauma treatment. So we're not rushing in, but we're taking it slowly and carefully. And as we say in IFS, which is Internal Family Systems, which is a form of, of uh, therapeutic treatment, we only go as fast as the slowest part of you can keep up. So if there's a part of you that's really scared, we got to honor that and slow down so that all the parts can keep up with the work. Okay. Yeah, that's, no, I thought that that was, you know, when I read that, I thought that I wanted to make sure to, to put that out for people to understand, you know, to mm-hmm. recognize that, you know, that uh, the pace is important, which important is the process, you know, that you that go through. Um, so, you know, with that, that Gaia, the active, guided active um, imagination. imagination, imagination, yeah. Um, can you, can you give us, um, like, uh, an example? You know, I mean, when you say you go into, you know, active imagination going into the dream. Can you, can you give me an example of uh, what that would look like? Sure. So I can actually, maybe it would be useful if I gave you two examples. One with someone who had a dream or a nightmare that was basically like instant replay that the trauma was just repeating for them. And then another example where it's more of, of a metaphor and a symbol in the dream. So, for example, with a lot of um, war vets, they have uh, dreams that are simply reoccurring images of the war theater that they went through. And they're terribly realistic, and it feels as if they were just reliving it over and over again. So we certainly don't want to invite someone to go back into the theater of war just like they were the first time if they're having repetitive images um, of just reliving a, a battle, for example. But rather, part one of the process is we very slowly and carefully build in resources. And the question I ask is, what would you need or what do you need before addressing this dream, this nightmare, to feel safe and protected? So we're looking for people. We're looking for are there people in your life, um, in your life currently, in your life from the past, from um, departed relatives? Are there imaginary people, um, spirit guides, angels, divine beings of any sort? It doesn't matter what my belief system or your belief system is. It doesn't even matter what the dreamer's belief system is. If they feel safe and protected by Archangel Michael, then let's by all means include Archangel Michael in the posse of protectors. Um, One of my clients who grew up in a very 
abusive environment with an alcoholic father and a, and a mom who was basically battered by the same guy, um, he brought with him into the dream Gandalf from Lord of the Rings, and that was one of his protectors. And one of the kids that I worked with um, decided she, she, I'm in the Boston area, and a couple of years ago we had the, the Boston Marathon bombing, and she was eight years old at the time. And in the city we live in, there was lockdown, and there were literally tanks in the street um, and SWAT teams going around literally house to house. And she got pretty traumatized by the whole thing. I mean, luckily one person was, one of the um, bombers was killed in the process and the other was captured. But um, six months, eight months later, she was still having nightmares. Her mom brought her to me. So when I worked with her, among other things, we did this Gaia method, and she said, I'm bringing my monkey, which was a stuffed animal. That was her safety protector stuffed animal. And I'm going to bring Mary Poppins because Mary Poppins <laughs> is not to protect me from anything. So these are just examples of, of things that people might bring in to the, the dream work before they look at the dream itself. We, were you going to okay. say something, Robert? I got on a roll there. No, no, no I'm glad you did. No, no. no I, I, I appreciate those are two very distinctly different examples, which, are, which is wonderful because it kind of gives people the idea that there's um, kind of like there's no uh, boundary on who it is that you can bring in to be that protective. That's right. So you can bring in people if you have a partner or a spouse or best friends or a beloved grandparent, bring them, make a big posse. And then we talk about what objects do you want to bring in. Are there any objects? Are there any sort of um, protective bubbles of light? So a lot of people choose to have a, a safety shield or a protective bubble of, of white or golden or blue light around them so that nothing can, can penetrate um, when they go back to look at the dream. And people have brought all sorts of objects with them, ranging from a flashlight to a, a special, like, talisman that they have, a magic stone or a, a spiritual symbol. And one of my millennials brought with her her cell phone, which I thought was a particularly good choice. She <laughs> explained to me that with the cell phone, right, she could always be connected if she needed to call someone. And... The cell phone had a flashlight on it as well, so she had a flashlight built in. And she said, and just in case, I'm going to bring my portable charger, too, so she wouldn't run out of juice in the middle of the dream. <laughs> well, that's prepared. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She was ready. She was going in. And then yeah, another person, yeah. and there's one story, uh, one case example in the book where someone had this particularly sort of bloody dream where she was cutting off someone's head and stabbing and all sorts of things. And she had been in abusive relationships and she had had some losses in her life. And and she said, I'm taking you, meaning me, I was her therapist, and my mom. And when we're doing the Gaia Method, I always ask, is there anything else? Is there anything else you need until I get a no, we're good to go? And she said, no, I've been waiting to do this for such a long time. That's it. You and my mom, let's go. And so we did. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. And, you know, that, um, you know, it's wonderful to be able to, you know, the idea of being able to bring not only the, the protector, but also keeping in mind that, that safety aspect um, when going in to explore, you know, the, the dreams. Now, um, so we're going to take a break in a few minutes, and I do want to let listeners know if you would like to call in and ask any questions um, about dreams, uh, you can call in at 619-789-4359, and Linda has um, graciously said that she would you know, take a couple of questions, if a question if somebody wants to call in. Um, so with the, um, the, the nightmares, the one of the... I, well, one of the things I was reading in the book is that our, our nightmares are also biologically adaptive. You know, and right. the idea of, of, of presenting a simulation, a practice run, so to speak. So talk, talk about that, because I thought that was interesting, because I have had some that I, that I know were that. I mean, that, that I woke up from a dream with a, Certain feeling, you know, that I, as I went through that experience in the dream, and 
And then, of course, later, like six months later, the I caught up with time. You know, and that's what happened. But I felt at that point that I had already been through it. <laughs> so um, can you talk about that? I thought it was Sure. So I'm, I'll talk about that, but I also want to point out that it, it sounds like, Robert, you also were having some um, precognitive dreams as well. If you dreamt something and then six months later that thing or very close to that thing actually happened, that you were peeking around the corner of time and space there. Um, so that's yeah. something we can do in our dreams as well. Um, but the biologically adaptive piece means a couple things. One is exactly what you're saying, which it gives us practice to kind of be prepared for things we we are or will be going through. And it corresponds with how do we get safe if we're threatened, if we look at trauma treatment. And some of the work that Peter Levine has done, he wrote a book. His first book was called Waking the Tiger. He's a, the founder of Somatic Experiencing. And he gives us examples from the wild. So when we think about response to trauma, the, the classic ones are fight, flight, or freeze. And if we're successful in the fight, flight, or freeze, then we don't get traumatized. So if the hawk, for example, is tracking the rabbit, and the rabbit can run away and hide under a bush, the flight response that kicked in means the rabbit's now safe, at least for the moment, from the hawk. Mm-hmm. The rabbit is not going to turn and face off with the hawk because it's too small. <laughs> but a wild boar, for example, if there's a, a falcon or a hawk flying overhead, and it thinks, oh, that looks like a good meal, the wild boar can turn and try to fight it off and, and possibly even succeed. So in that case, fight would be the right response. And then the third mm-hmm. option of freeze, it looks like playing dead because the hawk, for example, tracks movement. So if the rabbit mm-hmm. is able to freeze and hold perfectly still and kind of blend in with the um, with the surroundings, the hawk won't see us because it's not moving. So we, as human beings, have these same responses to dangerous events. And if we're successful, we avoid the dangerous event. If we're not successful, we get a trauma response. However, what happens sometimes is if we tried one of these responses and it didn't work, we get caught or stuck in that traumatic response. We get caught in always running away from things, or we get caught in fighting fighting all the time, whether it's verbally or, or literally, or we get caught in a freeze response where we're numb, we're scared, we can't move, we can't move forward in our life, and that's a variation on uh, dissociation as well, where our, our thoughts and our actions become separated, or our body and our... our thinking becomes separated as a trauma response, if someone is stuck and trapped and they can't get away for whatever reason, the mind has a brilliant um, protocol, a brilliant device that it does unconsciously, which is to send your, your consciousness, if you will, your thoughts out of your body somewhere else um, where you're safe. If you're able to reintegrate those two parts of yourself after the traumatic event, has passed, then you're on the road to healing. If you're not, you might be stuck in a frozen, dissociated place and then need to do some work to reintegrate those parts of yourself. Yeah, very important. Well, we're about halfway through the show, Linda, so I'm going to take that quick 90-second break. Um, and then when we come back, if we don't have any callers, um, I want to talk about um, the layers of our dreams. Can you book you mm-hmm. uh, discuss that? Four different layers on. I'll talk about that, okay? Absolutely. Okay, okay, everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back after this brief break. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us, and I hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows, along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,600 shows that we have had during the past 12 years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, nature photography, 
calendars, and 5x7 photo greeting cards. Our show is a free podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, etc. And we also have buttons to those platforms on the top of our homepage. Our website, ByteRadio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Okay, everyone. Thank you for staying with us again today. Our special guest is Linda Yael Schiller, and we're talking about her newest book, PTSD Green, Transform Your Nightmares from Trauma to Healing Dreamwork. And again, you can find out more about this book, um, Linda's other books, as well as her other services by visiting her website, lindayaelschiller.com. That's Linda, Y-A-E-L-S-C-H-I-L-L-E-R.com. Okay, Linda, we're back. Hi, yes. Okay, so um, you mentioned that um, when we came to the, the Gaia method, um, that there were like the two parts, and we talked about the safety part just before the break. And what about the second part of the, the Gaia method? Absolutely. So there's um, the part one, there's part two, and then there's a bridge in between. And that was a new addition that I added in, in the second book that I didn't have in, in Modern Dreamwork. So the bridge is once you have gathered all the people and objects and, and bubbles of light and whatever you need to feel safe outside of the dream, I invite people to then take a look inside of their nightmare to see if there are any resources in there that they might have missed or they didn't notice or they just forgot to mention the first time they told the dream. So sometimes people can find in this dream that is is so scary or a nightmare that there were actually some resources sort of hidden in the corner that they didn't realize, which, which implies then that they already have some of these resources inside of themselves that they can access. So once we do that, we then go inside the dream. And we work with whatever is there from this resource and safe place. And here's where we might use a whole variety of different types of dream work, including like the Gestalt method, which is every character and even every object in the dream is some part of yourself. So you might say, all right, what's the, the tree part of myself or what's the raging river part of myself or what's the scary monster part of myself? And that's one style. And then there is the active imagination where we dialogue with the different characters or objects in the dream and, and have a conversation with them and find out who they are, why they're there, why have they been chasing me for the last several months or years, um, and then find out what is needed to put them at peace and put them at rest. And there's a number of examples in the book, the sort of stories um, that indicate that. And, and just off the top of my head, there's one story about a woman who was being um, chased by a, a great giant, and it was sort of set in like this sort of old-fashioned village, and she was going round and round and round on the path, and the giant kept chasing her and chasing her, and she kept running and running from the giant. It was very scary. And then at some point, she heard a voice from who knows where telling her in the dream to turn around and face the giant. And she trusted this voice enough to turn around, and what happened was the giant said, I've been trying to reach you for so long, and the giant picks her up and gives her a hug and starts to dance with her, and it turns out the giant had such kind eyes once she turned to look at him that she realized that what she had been running from was not something she actually needed to fear, but something that was a gift. And she had this dream early on in her life in her 20s, and then fast forward, because I know her in her, in her 60s, um, she's a dance therapist now. So the dream kind of came through after the giant picked her up and danced with her when she had the, the courage to turn around and face it. 
Um, so that's just one little example of how this dream really transformed her life and, and led her in a direction of her career path. Hello, are you there? Hello? Oh, dear. Hello? Robert? Hello? Hello? Yeah, hold, hold on. We got cut off or something. Are we are we back? Hello. Hello? Do I have you there? Hello? Yes. Here we are. Can you hear me? Oh, here we are. Yes, I can. Sorry about that. I had a technical error on my end. Um, I apologize. Um, That's okay. It happens. Yes, yes. So anyway, um, backup works great. So anyway, um, yeah, those, those, that that is wonderful. You know, the the, the ability of of a dream to, um, you know, to transform life. You know, and you know the now I personally, when it comes to dreams, have had a real hard time with that sculpt. <laughs> you know, I've you know, identifying different parts of myself in various you know aspects, of these, you know, individuals and and or objects um but you know um you know i i do you know kind of bring that in sometimes if, if, if it seems to you know to work i one of the things for me what what i you know my first go to is the emotion of the dream you know i mean right. it's just um the uh you know just how how intense the emotion was, and then what the the feelings generated were, and um, so anyway, and I, I've only had one frightening <laughs> kind of dream that had that carried over, you know, after the dream, and, and it was feeling. I'm not sorry, real quick, because it, it was one of these cases. I was um, uh, in a um, haunted house or a house that was supposedly haunted. You know, and this was in the dream, and, and I was actually going to be visiting the location, you know, weeks after the dream um, mm-hmm. happened. So anyway, um, and in the dream, I walked into this big ballroom, and, and um, you know, there were, like, lights overhead, but there was also lights on the floor. I mean, it was, like, a mess, and and, and then something grabbed onto me around my chest. It was like a little... A girl, but, you know, but, um, kind of a, um, odd shape. It was more like they just clamped on me. <laughs> around my mm. and, and it was just weird, weird, weird. And, and, you know, and I remember very clearly in the dream thinking, you know, this is, this is crazy. What is this? You know, and, and I, you know, my first impulse was to, you know, push it away and, you know, can't get right because it was, it was, it was a tight grip, you know, and um, so, um, and then after fighting for a little bit, it was like, you know, then I would decide, well, let's just, you know, relax with it, and, you know, it was like, open your heart to it, you know, which was not something I would normally say, but I mean, that was Mm. kind of what came through, and then after that, you know, she let go, and, Mm. um, but when I woke up, I mean, I could, I mean, I could have sworn that I was still in its grip, in her grip, and it was just wild, you know, because that was one where, you know, uh, you know, often, you know, when I have dreams that are emotional, I mean, I can wake up, you know, feeling either happy or sad or tired or, you know, various, you know, types of um, varied emotions, but that one was, you know, really was fear, and then it it was very, um, you know, the after effect, you know, was, was very clear, so... Yeah. But then, yeah. But did, you, did you have this like, dream you know, recently, or as an adult, or when you were a kid, or? It was. An, it was. I was. I was an adult. Um, a younger, <laughs> a younger adult. I would probably say it was probably about maybe twenty years ago. You know. Um, so, but I mean, it was an adult, and 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 I actually did have a couple other dreams about that particular place that were just very odd, and you know, and and involved. Like me putting my foot in the water, feeling the temperature. I mean, you know, rarely did I feel temperature, you know, from a dream. Mm. But 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 anyway, it was just you know those kinds of things. I think you know for me captured my attention, and it's like okay, there was something to that. Me, but I don't know. I visited the place, you know, and, and it had that familiar. I mean, there were a couple parts of 
the dream that were um, in front. I mean, that could have been like one of those, you know, travel forward kinds of things. Um, but, um, I mean, it, was, it wasn't exact. You know, and, and, right, and, and right. in my dream, there was more of a period thing, like 1800s or, you know, something like that, long, long, long ago kind of plan. Right, right. Well, yeah. I don't – do you want me to comment well, or question sure, about sure. – Sure, sure. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah, we can talk about that because I think, you know, this is the kind of thing that – yeah, let's, let's go ahead and talk about it because that's the kind of thing that I would, you know, you know, if someone listening kind of goes through it, then maybe our – back and forth discussion might help them, you know, process their dreams. Right. So what we do in, in the dream world, and I'm a member of an organization called IASD, which is the International Association for the Study of Dreams, which is a, a wonderful organization for all you dreamers out there to, to, to look up and, and, and connect with. But we learn that the ultimate um, meaning of any dream is in the dreamer, him or herself. So I would never tell you what your dream means, and I don't even use the word interpret a dream, but we do dream work, and I might ask questions or have associations or kind of guide you, but it's going to be your felt sense of, oh, yeah, that's right, or that's on target. That is the indicator of if it's, uh, if it's on, you know, if it's meaningful for you. So I, I don't know you or anything about your life, so if, if I was wondering about this dream, um, without knowing you at all, here are some of the mm-hmm. things I might wonder about. One would be, what was going on in your life at the time you had the first dream? And was there anything or any place in your life where you felt moving forward, this is a little scary or this is out of my depth or this is a creepy feeling? And I, I, I'm struck by, you said it was like a period piece, like the 1800s mm-hmm. or something. I don't know anything about your family or your family history, but I would be wondering, you know, does this resonate for you in any way? Does it look familiar at all in any way? And then I haven't even gotten to the, the, the little girl imp figure clamped to your chest. You know, first things of any... Thoughts. I don't know if you've worked on this dream or you have ideas already. Yeah, well, well, I have. You know, it's one I, I I think about often. You know, because it was you know again one of those that was dramatic. Um, now, as far as going, things going on with me during that time, I would think that you know there it was probably um, I, I was you know venturing into the metaphysical realm, you know, field more than I had. So, you know, the idea of of a ghost and that kind of thing would be, you know, would be not out of line, you know, for something that's like, if I'm exploring it, you know, that, that would be a, a possibility. Um, now, you know, as far as, you know, familial um, and, and period, not really. I mean, it, it felt, um, you know, I mean, it felt um, as if I was, um, you know, just in an old um, Texas, you know, like farmhouse kind of situation, which is far from, you know, my you know, upstate New York, you know, um, kind of up, upbringing. So, I mean, I mean, so that that part, you know, really, you know, the familiar part didn't really, you know, kind right. of gel. Um, but, um, and I forgot what, what the other part was oh. that you mentioned. So what I would say is then, like off the top of my head, just from what you Perfect. responded, and after we, we talk about your dream, that might be a perfect lead-in to talk about the different layers of a dream. Because if you're at that time in your life having this dream, and you said this is the time in your life the first thing you think about is you're beginning to venture more and more into the metaphysical field. So you are in a time in your life where you're starting to do boundary crossing and you're starting to explore esoteric and mystical um, pathways in your life. I, I might think about making sure, and this is in retrospect, of course, but did you need mm-hmm. to go a little more slowly or did you need to have some protection 
because there are benign and lovely things to explore in other dimensions and other worlds and other fields. And there are some pretty scary, dark um, entities, if you will, mm-hmm. out there, depending on, you know, your worldview and the listener's worldview. And, and throughout history and, and, and from antiquity, there have been, you know, incubus and succubus and there have been imps and there have been demons and there have been devils and there have been creatures that, that glom onto us, um, whether we take that literally or metaphorically. But it sounds like if that was your association in the dream at this time in your life, um, you might have opened yeah. up a door mm-hmm. wider than you were ready for at the moment. <laughs> um, uh-huh. And it like felt like it was scary and, and, and it was like attacking you. But in your wisdom in this dream, you had the wherewithal to say, all right, if I relax and kind of go at this in, in an open-hearted way, then this creature, whoever she was, kind of let go of her grip. And so you got a message from the dream to to approach whatever you were approaching in an open-hearted way, and that would be part of what was going to keep you safe. Yeah. Yeah, that perspective fits perfectly with kind of what I've garnered from it <laughs> over the years, mm. you know, is that, um, you know, that, that protection aspect, I mean, that, you know, that was one of those areas that I hadn't paid much attention to, you know. I'm, you know, I know that there, you know, there's uh, that that negative force out there. There is that negative force, and I I try not to give much attention to it. You know, it's like I don't mm-hmm. want to attract that, you know, aspect. Um, but um, I also know that it's there. So um, it kind of seems to be some kind of a balancing, um, you know, kind of thing that I have to do with, you know, with, with regard to, you know, um, you know, you know, having that protection and yet, you know, kind of opening up to, you know, you know, what's in store, or, you know, open up the possibilities, right. I guess. Right. Because as we were saying before, if we ignore or pretend it's not there, it's just going to keep glomming on. <laughs> yeah. So we yeah. can't ignore it, but we can protect ourselves and we can take take steps to be safe and then whether it's transforming it or running from it or befriending it, right? When we sometimes when we tend and befriend the things that feel monstrous or scary, we find out that they they quiet down. Um or in yeah. some cases we have to send them back to the light. If they're not supposed to be hanging around, you know, we need to yeah. be around it with Send it back to the light because we don't want it here. That's it. That's right. You'll be much happier elsewhere. Trust me. <laughs> um, now, um, you said this would be a great lead-in, and it is. To In your book, you talk about, you discuss different layers of our dreams. So can you kind of give us just a, a highlight of those particular layers that you, you have in the book? Sure. In the book, I'll, it goes into more detail, but in brief, <laughs> I sort of um, – adopted a method from called the Pardes method, and that is a Hebrew word. It means orchard, and it's also an acronym, and it's the way we read um, holy uh, books with ever-deepening layers of meaning, and I adapted that for using with dream work. So the first layer, the top layer, is simply it's the dream story itself. It's what happened, who the peak characters are, the landscape of the dream, And sometimes all we want to do with our dream is go, oh, that was a fun dream, or that was really interesting, or oh, wow, that was scary. But that's how we want to do it, and that's enough, step one, the story Mm -hmm. of the dream. The second layer are our first associations that were generated from the dream, and we don't have to probe too, too deeply to get them. We have sort of immediate associations. This reminds me of that. Or, oh, look, here's a play on words or a pun. Or, um, oh, I, I dreamt about um, visiting um, it's Istanbul. And, oh, yeah, I had um, Turkish uh, food at a restaurant last night. So that's why I dreamt about visiting Istanbul. Um, so an immediate association of something that's kind of simple. Or, oh, I saw this woman in the dream 
and it wasn't my mother, but she had the same kind of hair that my mother had and the same kind of body type. So I think she was standing for my mother in the dream. Okay, so that's the first association that we have. That's step two. Step three, or layer three really is the right word, is when we use a variety of different types of dream work methods to really unpack and go deeply into the dream. And at this layer, we really look at the symbols and we look at the metaphor and we look at deeper associations and we follow the threads that have begun the dream out of the dream and see where they lead us in other places. So in the beginning, we kind of cast a wide net, and then as we gradually draw the net in, you know, we see which fish stay and which fish swim out, and we go deeper and deeper into where this image or where this metaphor or symbol led us to in our current lives, in our lives in the past few weeks or months, or all the way back into our early life, our childhood, or potentially, well, actually, this layer, that would be as far as it would go. (laughs) And then the final layer is actually one that we were talking about with your dream, which in the the Hebrew, the F of Pardes means sod, and the translation of sod is secret. So this is the layer where we get in touch with the, the transformational parts of our dream, the spiritual, the mystical parts of our dream, sometimes where we connect with departed relatives, we may have encounters with, with past lives, and at this layer of, of sort of the mystical and perhaps divine associations we have with the dreams, we can do transformation not only for ourselves, but which is where we can also dream forward for other people and for the world as well. So those are the layers we might examine, depending on our time and our interest. Yeah, yeah, and and I would think that our dreams combine different, um, a little bit of probably all of those levels. I mean, you know, some more than others, but I mean, I think there'd be elements of, of those, each of those, you know. In a dream, any particular dream. Absolutely. Right. We might not discover all the four layers um, because it takes time to sort of unpack or unpeel a dream. So we, we might not have the time or we might not have the interest. But if we stay with the dream and we have the orientation that there are, you know, these deepening layers of meaning, we will get to all, all of these layers and one of the things that actually helps us is when we work with one or more other people to understand our dreams because we all have blind spots in our, our lives. And even Jung is famous for saying that he can't do his own dream work or dream interpretation because, you know, he needs someone else to help him. Because if you think about it, none of us can see the back of our own heads without not just one <laughs> but two mirrors. So when we're working with other people or in a dream circle, then we get different orientations and perspectives that allow us to see things in our own dream that we might have missed on our own. Yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, we're down to the last six minutes, Linda. This is really yeah. flown by. But one of the things I really like about your book, you know, in addition to all of the information, is the exercises. You know, um, mm. I think it's wonderful that that you provide the reader with different ways to apply the knowledge that they learned. Now, you've got 21 different exercises in your book. Um, maybe can you give us um, an, an example? You, you, uh, you have them, uh, you know, some for before dreaming and some actions or exercises you can do um, after dreaming. Can you give us an idea of, of what's contained in the, the variety of, of exercises you have? Great, thank you. Yeah, I, I, I never counted them, so I didn't know there were 21. So, no, I didn't. <laughs> um, so yeah, there are exercises in each chapter. So some at the end of a chapter and some sort of woven through. And mm-hmm. the exercises and exercises invite us to tune in to the different ways of responding to a dream, including some that are body-oriented exercises where we're invited to tune into our physical um, sensations, others that invite us to tune into our emotional selves. And one of the latter chapters divides it into before, during, and after. So before you dream, one exercise to do is 
to um, make sure you have a journal right by your bed. You want to be able to record your dream as quickly as possible after you wake up because we know dreams are sort of like whiffs of puffs of smoke. And if you, you get up and move around, they'll, they'll be gone. So you keep your journal by your bed. And one of the exercises talks about what happens if you didn't catch your dream. What can you do to reconnect with it? Um, one is if you lie perfectly still before moving um, and kind of set it in your body, that will help you hold on to it. And if you find you've gotten up, you're in the shower, and it's like, oh, I had a dream, I don't remember it. If you have a few minutes, go back into your bed and put yourself in the position you were in when you were sleeping. And very, very often, I'm always amazed at how well this works, you will have what's called a positional memory, and you will recapture the dream by putting your body in the position it was in before you had the dream, or excuse me, while you were having the dream. So that's one example. Um, there's a whole, it's a whole different conversation, but there's a whole world of lucid dreaming, and there are a lot of authors out there who've written whole books on lucid dreaming. So if you're interested in it, that's something else. Lucid dreaming uh, basically means knowing that you're dreaming and being aware that you're dreaming while you're in the dream. So it's like a meta-consciousness in your dream. And you can practice. There are a lot of techniques if you want to practice learning how to do that. And in those in-between zones, the hypnopompic and hypnagogic zones, right at the edge when you're falling asleep and right at the edge when you're waking up, you can do something called wilding, which is a form of lucid dreaming, which stands for waking-induced lucid dream. And here you can go into the dream sort of while you're having it and begin to sort of move things around. And one of my favorite exercises with any dreamer is to remind them that when they woke up at the end of the night or in the middle of the night, as the case may be from a dream, that's not necessarily where the dream ended. That's just where they woke up. So one exercise is, is to dream it forward, to continue the dream, particularly if you've had a nightmare, and this might be a good place because I'm seeing we're just about at the edge of our time. If you've had a nightmare and you woke up and, you know, the, the saber-toothed tiger is chasing you and, and it's just about to catch you and then you wake up. Well, that isn't necessarily where the dream ended. Now, perhaps, you can dream it forward and say, you realize that right in front of you is a tree and you have developed superhuman ability to jump and you jump really, really high with the wings on your heels like Mercury and you land in the top of the tree and now you're safe from the tiger. And then, of course, that's not a good place to end either because if you've got a tiger circling <laughs> around and you might need to take it a few other steps. Do you, do you have an angel that comes and carries you off the tree or a helicopter overhead that drops a a ladder down for you to climb out of, or does the tiger finally get tired of waiting for you and disappear so you can get down on your own? The point being, you can continue the dream in your waking life, and then if you repeat the better ending where you end up safely mm -hmm. over and over again, you're actually making changes not only in the dream, but in whatever part of you generated the fear and the terror of the nightmare as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that. Um, you know, the idea um, because you're you're really you know um, creating um, a, a safe and, and a positive ending. You know, for mm -hmm. and so that, I mean, and it's kind of like you remember the last thing. You know, um, whatever you hear last, you know, kind of what what ten, tends to remain. So that if, you know, if you're feeling you know safe and secure and removed from threat, you know, that is a, a much um, more, you know, a wonderful feeling to carry around with you to start, to start today rather than one that of still being chased and, and fearful. Yeah. That's right. Well, Linda, well, this has really been a treat, and I really want to thank you for your time today. Um, I always enjoy speaking with you. Um, dreams are one of my favorite topics, and if we help anybody shift their nightmares to healing um, dreams, and then we've uh, accomplished our, our mission. But, but your book is wonderful, and, um, and again, I, I really like the exercises that you provide us. Great. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me on. I enjoy our conversation. Uh, you're very welcome. Again, everyone, today my special guest has been Linda Yael Schiller. 
and we've been talking about her new book, PTS Dreams, Transform Your Nightmares from Trauma Through Healing Dreamwork. Um, again, you can find out more by visiting her website, which is lindayaelschiller.com. And that's Linda, Y-A-E-L-S-C-H-I-L-L-E-R.com. And everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. And until we meet again, thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Blog Talk Radio, Amazon Music, and Audible. To follow our show on any of those platforms, visit ByteRadio.me and select the one you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ByteRadioMe. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch.